Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Welcome to the Sinister Sissies Podcast, your guide to true crime, horror, and everything man-on-man and macabre. I'm Jared, your master of depravity, and I'm staring at my dirty, filthy little slave, Sam Hamilton, who is eating a banana sensually. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I, I, you know, I had to keep my master entertained. He likes to do a tease on a Monday night, so you know I'm not giving him anything else so but Sam, essential suck. Sam is wearing a um, a fur coat and eating a banana. There's like a monkey furry vibe, is what I'm getting. Well, look, I've got to you got to change it up. You know, he's Jared's got a lot of vices, and we've tried all the kinks. So this is my next step. Speaking of vices, that's a good transition. Uh, we're talking about a film today, which I'm a huge fan of, uh, the 2018 film. Uh, un couteau dans le coeur, or knife plus heart. Did I fuck up that French? How was that? It sounded Frenchy to me. Okay. I wish I knew French. If you're listening to this and you can teach me French, I would be very grateful. And if you're a sexy Frenchman, that would also be nice in my life. <laughs> I'd just be happy for a French kiss, to be honest. But, you know. Okay. The monkey fairy has very low standards at this point. <laughs> he does. He's recently single and ready to ready to take some tongue. Hey. Uh, so the film Knife Plus Heart, directed by Jan Gonzalez, is a 2018 film inspired by the Italian giallo genre and focuses on Anne, a gay pornographer in the 1970s, um, whose performers start getting killed off one by one. Je suis productrice de films érotiques. La seule chose, c'est que parfois, on manque de filles, alors on fait ça entre mecs. Tu appelles-moi demain matin. Détective Rachid, j'écoute. Je crois que je vais changer le titre du film. Le tueur au mot. Vous en dites quoi Tu me trompes ou tout ça te fait ni chaud ni froid ah Alors comme ça, vous n'avez aucune piste Vous attendez que tous mes acteurs crèvent pour vous mettre au boulot Personne ne veut tourner avec nous, ils sont tous terrifiés. Il y a bien un indice Et des deux premiers cadavres, on a retrouvé des plumes du même oiseau. Je devrais être plus attentive à tes rêves. Ils sont là pour t'aider. 
we uh, go into spoiler territory, uh, I want to start off by saying you need to watch this film because this film is brilliant, in my opinion. Sam, you saw it some time ago. Uh, did you enjoy it? Yes, I actually got the privilege of seeing it at the cinema. Um, I think it must have been of a festival, but I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I saw it on the big screen, which was very cool. I really like this film because, yeah, it was kind of like I'm a big fan of Giallo films. It was kind of like Giallo meets yeah. very gay meets slasher. So, you know, it's like my three favorite things all and in it's, one. It's a bit sexy. It's a bit it's of a sexy. It's very sexy. The opening um, murder. And by, mm. by Giallo, um, I'm not totally across the genre, but I know Dario Argento type films. So, like the original Suspiria and things like that. They're characterized by, um, I guess, a certain visual cues is the main part of it that they well, the killer have often that, like, wears black leather gloves which is a um which is present in this film am i right in thinking it has film noir vibes to it as well like well, it's there usually is a horror... so the the term giallo was actually derived from um these italian paperback novels um that had yellow covers i believe and they were kind of like pulpy detective mysteries and so then when films started to resemble those pulpy detective mysteries I guess they just got called literally yellow movies in Italian. Yeah, and 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 it's obviously had a huge influence in European cinema that we're seeing this reflected um, in a French film in this situation in 1970s Paris. Um, so highly recommend the film. We are going to spoil the film as we go along, pointing out the major points. Um, one thing that I will say about this movie um, upon rewatching it is I'd say think of things that happen thematically rather than focusing on the plot too much. There are confusing elements to this plot that I But that's don't a staple in Giallo films too, you know? So, you know, they, they've about, emulated them more well. style. Yeah, it's, not, it's more style yeah. and kind of abstract um, uh, for elements to it. Um, and so you kind of have to take the thematic side. And in fact, the, the director, Gonzalez, has been on the record stating that he doesn't want to make realist films. He hates this turn in filmmaking that we now have, particularly when it comes to kind of slashes or, or crime, where everything has lost its kind of um, fantastical elements to it. So he wants to instill fantasy into these kind of straight horror films. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned Suspiria before because I feel like it definitely incorporates that like visual palette that Suspiria has. But then with those kind of more, um, with like maybe it's it's kind of like Suspiria and Deep Red had a baby. Two of Dario's most famous films. Suspiria was kind of him breaking away from Giallo a little bit, going into more fantastical, supernatural territory. And then Deep Red's like his definitive kind of like um, detective mystery sort of kooky Giallo film. I say that kind of reminds me of Cruising as well a little bit. Um, and I think because Cruising was film noir, um, and so they share some common elements in how they kind of tell the story. I mean, the opening scene is, is them like a leather club, right? So, so the film begins, as Sam said, uh, at a gay club, one of the best gay clubs that I have ever seen in my life. And I really want to go there. Um, it kind of, it's, it's dark and moody and there's a band playing this like old school goth type music it reminds me of like bar house um we see young carl um who is dancing on the the dance floor and is very hot he is very hot there's a lot of very hot actors in this um dancing on the dance floor and he sees a guy in a mask far away 
we get intercuts of a woman editing a porno, um, very old school 1970s gay porno. Um, as we see Carl meeting this masked man, making out with him very sensually, and then eventually going home with him. Carl is strapped down and tied to the bed. And this mask man, whilst screaming quite horrifically, gets a dildo out. It turns into a knife and Carl is stabbed to death. As this is happening, we see a crow watch from afar. And that's the start of this film, this really gritty and very violent start um, and quite stylized violence at the very start of the film. I loved it. I loved, this was a very good opening. Me too. And it starts off so central. You're kind of like, ooh la la. And then all of a sudden, like the blade comes out of a dildo. And you're like, oh, okay. This is going to be different than I thought it was. Yeah. It's, um, and this is what reminded me a bit of cruising with it is that, yeah, there's, there's like very raw, like it's, there's like a porno-y side to the killings themselves not just the kind of gay pornographer at work um which adds a sensualness to the murders which you don't see very often i really like the way that this is this is done sexy slasher sexy slasher we need more sexy slashers in our lives next film noted (laughs) after our opening murder uh we meet our star anne Anne is a very troubled woman, I'd say late 30s, early 40s. Um, We see her in a phone box, drunk, pleading with her ex-girlfriend Louise over the phone. Um, Louise tells her it's over um, and we see um, Anne kind of going through some fairly heavy emotional um, turmoil, which becomes a bit of a red herring throughout this film about Anne, you know, is she losing it? It is kind of a a through line here. I have to say the, the, the weakest point of this film to me is this relationship between Anne and Louise. Well, you know, Um, trust you to not be into lesbianism. No, there's women involved. Jared isn't there. So I, I think this was a deliberate choice, but I hated it. Um, there almost never in the same room they're exchanging you know they're speaking to each other via phone call or notes or Anne is spying on Louise and so I spent this entire film assuming Louise was like a figment of Anne's imagination and then just in one random scene you see them both together and I'm like oh okay that wasn't what you were trying to do I mean Um, maybe it was what they were trying to project onto the audience though so you know you're probably on the right wavelength I don't know. Did you think that at the time when you were first watching it? Did no, you I, think? I just felt like it was trying to kind of get across that, you know, they'd sep- they'd separated. And so I, and that it was like a sort of like a tragic separation. So by them never being together, it was kind of, um, it was sort of meant to be like poetic and t- like take us into Anne's frame of mind about the breakup. That's what I thought maybe. The, the next scene that we see is Anne at work. We see uh, these very sexy men make it out in a gay porno. Love it. Love to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne is supported by her assistant, Archibald. Um, and the performers that we see on screen are Terry, played by the smoking hot uh, Felix Maritord, who has been in, um, um, I think he's exclusively in gay films. He's most famous for his starring role in um, Salvage or Savage, 
um, where he plays a, a sex worker. So he, he's got a sex worker through line, I guess, throughout his acting. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we meet him. Uh, we also meet the uh, the wonderful uh, Bouche Dois or Golden Mouth, which is this olden man who helps the performers out when they're when they're not quite getting hard enough. A fluffer, as as you know. <laughs> yeah, a fluffer. Um, we learn quite in these early scenes as well that Terry has a bit of a heroin problem and leaves after she kind of berates her workers briefly. And as she's driving, she drives past a building site. Uh, there she spots the incredibly sexy Nans. Uh, Nans is played by Khalid uh, Alouche um, and is very, very hot boy. Uh, I've got his Instagram that I frequent. Oh, Why don't we tag beautiful. him in our, in, our, um, this, in our review? We should. We should. I think he's straight. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Every straight boy has their price. Maybe uh, I don't know what we can offer him. <laughs> well, just, just like in real life, uh, Nans uh, who Anne meets is also straight, and they have this this hilarious exchange where Anne's essentially like, "Oh, I I make I think she says blue movies instead of pornos." She's like, "I make blue movies. Would you be interested in starring?" And he's like, "Oh, what's what's the catch?" And he's like, "Oh, no catch. You look like a stud, uh, but sometimes we're um, we're low in women, so sometimes we need to get the boys involved as well." <laughs> when she uh, gets into the car, she um, mentions that Nans reminds her of Faud, who is a boy that used to perform in her films. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, and gets the call that Carl has died and speaks to the investigators. And we have an exchange between Anne and the investigators where she's kind of the defiant gay pornographer and they're all grossed out. And then we hilariously cut to uh, a gay porn parody of that exact same uh, investigator scene. So, like, there's a scene where the, the investigator is like, make sure you get down these notes and in the porno parody, it's like, make sure you get down these notes. And then it's the guy's hard on, like, fucking the time machine. <laughs> yes, it's a great... Uh, and this, this, is when they've, this is when they've retitled the porno homicidal, right? No, at this stage, it's still Anal Fury okay, 5. Okay, well, sorry. I mean, a great uh, title. But they do... But they do... They do, um, they do rename it soon um, as the murders continue. I, I should say at this point, and if you want it, let us know, but we are still planning to do a Sinistices episode where we look at horror gay porn parodies. Uh, so if anyone's into that, please send us your best horror gay porn parodies to review. Sam's excited. I'm very excited. Our next kill is the beautiful Terry. Um, he is, uh, sitting in a, it looks like landfill, but I think it's like a, in a car park area, um, next to a club, um, and Terry's shooting up because he's a heroin addict. Um, uh, we see a, a crow come on the scene, 
Um, the masked man approaches Terry, whips out a dildo. Uh, and this is, again, we have a bit of a, a red herring as well because it's like in through his through the killer's pants, it's like a, um, the dildo comes through. And so that's what made me thought it was Anne because obviously she doesn't have a dick um, and makes Terry suck it. And then, again, the dildo turns into a knife and Terry is killed. The whole studio, the whole gay porn studio, is terrified at this stage. A lot of um, Anne's performers drop out. Um, but we see in a, in a pub scene um, a couple of uh, Anne's former uh, performers, including um, one named uh, Messia, who's a trans woman. Uh, Anne meets all of them and hires some new performers for her fresh film. The film is retitled into Homocidal. Um, and we see the kind of the end, the tail end of homicidal where, um, there's the, the killers going through this, uh, completely white set and seeing all these people fucking one another. And then eventually is shot by the detectives played by Archibald and the sexy, sexy nuns, um, and when uh, the killer is shot in the film and lies down, taking off the mask, it's revealed to be Anne. But it's all, it's the film within a film. And so I don't know if that was meant to be us telling us that, like, our thoughts about who the killer is is not correct because we know how you're well, thinking. Well, you know, in all the classic Jolly films, there's always a red herring that seems just, like, too obvious to possibly be true. So, you know, maybe, you know, I guess it was probably a bit of a wink in that direction, you know? It is, Yeah. Um, after the film's completed, everyone that, that was on the film, including the performers, go out for a picnic and they get drunk together. Um, there's a really like fun scene where like one of the drag queens slash um, trans women um, is pretending to give birth and she gives birth to like a bottle of vodka or something. It was pretty funny. Um, however, it, it, uh, sorry, and it's this at this scene that we first see Anne and Louise in the same scene to, with each other, but then a storm comes and everyone has to run off. Um, and it's Messia who is left on her own um, and is eventually killed by the masked killer. Because then this is like when Nia, this is like when um, Anne is going a bit cuckoo. Yes. So Anne starts to go a bit nuts at this stage. And this is where we have a scene where Anne attacks louise it's very bizarre um, she like she definitely I, I would definitely say it comes under the umbrella of sexual assault she's basically trying to force her to have sex with her yeah like on the street so we got the we got the impression that Anne was unstable prior to the film beginning but obviously the murders over time have just made her go more and more insane um and this is when she starts doing some detective work and this is where the movie goes a bit off the rails in my opinion um after attacking Louise, Louise says that she never wants to see her again. Anne um, finds a crow feather, which she knows was found on all the corpses. It turns out that it's some rare type of blind crow that exists in a certain country region. There's like a whole sequence of events where Anne goes into the countryside and meets a string of like a weird woman and then a weird man uh, and then another weird woman. 
we can skip all of it, all of that because I feel like that's kind of filler. Yeah. Um, eventually, Anne comes uh, along a, a grieving woman who tells uh, Anne a story about a boy named uh, Guy Fab who had a secret affair with uh, a, a boy named Hitchum. After the couple had sex in a bar, Guy's father caught them and he murdered Hitchum and castrated Guy, burning the barn um, down with Guy inside. Um, the grieving woman says that Guy survived, but he was horribly disfigured. And it's at this point that Anne uh, figures out that Guy must be the one that is killing the people involved in the shoots. And her grand plan to try and catch him is to, to rather than, because um, uh, the film had ended at this point, she gets everyone together to shoot some extra scenes for homicidal in the hope of luring Guy out as a killer. Got Hans there, um, got and two other guys that are there as well. Um, but they're plagued by constant power outages. Um, Louise in her editing room uh, suddenly realizes that Guy Fav, the guy in the mask, the our killer, has actually been existing in the backgrounds of a couple of the other shoots. And so she races over to try and save them. The lights go out and one of the performers is killed and Louise is killed as well. And she dies in Anne's arms. Weird choice. Well, I felt nothing. Me either. Scene. And I, I just thought it was strange. To, uh, maybe we were meant to feel guilty because Anne never got to reconcile with Louise after trying to rape her. Um, but I remember feeling very empty as well yeah. because I wasn't rooting for that thing. Is I wasn't rooting for their relationship because I was like, no wonder Louise doesn't want to be a fan. Sam, did we really like this film because it has hot boys in it? Look, it was definitely a factor. Look, I was a, I was a big fan <laughs> of, the, of the visual choices and the and the nods to other films that I liked. But I just I found the weakest part was this love story, where it's just kind of I just they mm. could have at least made the sexual assault scene a bit more of a blurred lines scenario as opposed to like as opposed to her like blatantly trying to rape Louise because then I just I was I, yeah I wanted their relationship to be over. So then when Louise dies, I'm like at least she's free of Anne. Yeah, see, I was still willing to take it as like, I don't know, in typical French form fashion, it's kind of like assault, passion, it's all blurred together, there are no lines in the film yeah. universe. Well, I think that was the intention, but yeah, it definitely uh, impacted the way that I viewed their relationship. And yeah, when Louise died, I was just stone cold bitch. Um, we, obviously, enough people have died. The film, we, we kind of get the feeling that it's some months later and... Um, we get the homicidal premiere, which is at like an old school gay porno. I kind of, is it bad that like I am kind of sentimental for these days where like groups of men used to just like sit in theaters together and watch porno, Look, like on the theater I mean, screen? I, I've done that, but it was in a, you know, sex on premises venue uh, and we were all nude. So, yeah, you know, it's not, it's the, not, it's not, not the, the same. same. It's not the same as an innocent night out. But like that. Unless you know a venue that I don't know, they're not like done like full on. No, I mean obviously, the, obviously there like, are a couple of remaining like sex cinemas in Melbourne, but to my knowledge, they're all like softcore porno aimed at straight men. So not going to be for us. Yeah, I imagine cleaning the seats would be oh, the yeah. hardest part. Oh yeah. So Anne attend is attending the premiere um, of Homicidal, and we see clips from the film that we've seen before. There is one uh, very hilarious scene that um, I didn't 
didn't mention earlier, which is of Archibald and Hans, and they're both in phone booths, and it's Anne parroting the conversation that she had with Louise with both of them talking in phone booths, but they just get more and more hot with each other and then, like, jizz flies on each other's faces. Look, it's I tell you one in every, you know, heartfelt uh, phone conversation to end. And sitting there, she's. I, I like the scene a bit because you could see that she's really proud of her work. Um, and uh, midway through the showing of Homicidal, um, we also see um, um, Nans shows up again, uh, shows up to to watch himself in the film. And there's this like older guy trying to hit on him, and he keeps being like, "Look at me! Look at this film that I just made! It's very cute." Um, uh, Nans goes upstairs to the kind of cruising part of the cinema and is kind of venturing around. Um, we see that our killer follows soon afterwards. Um, Anne sticks around post credits of her film Homocidal and it's playing an old film that she has made in the past. Now, this is the plot hole part that I don't quite understand. This old film that Anne has made starring um, all the people that we've had killed up until now were starring in this film. So obviously the killer is seeking out the people that have starred in this film that Anne has made. So that makes sense, right? And wasn't it, wasn't it based off Guy's life? Well, not his life, but his death. <laughs> yes. It's this, this gay, the gay porn parody is based off the death of uh, um, Hitchum and our killer, which they turned into a porno. But how did they know about the story? Well, that's what I was thinking too, because Anne discovers, because um, she disco- she finds out about the story from this woman when she goes to the small country towns. So I don't know how she, um, yeah, it is a bit of a plot hole. Did she subconsciously know about it all along? Was there a psychic link with that crow stuff? I don't know. I think what I originally thought was that Hitchum, which is the killer's boyfriend who died in the fire, I thought he used to be a performer for Anne, right? Yeah. But that makes no Well, That's what I thought, and I think that's right. But I think he was a performer in the film about how he died. Because... She says, yeah, that, that's, I, I think that's true. <laughs> Look, someone piece it together for us. Message us on Instagram or Twitter. We need to know. Well, is it the film? Is it, was, is it the porno is meant to be like prophetic somehow? And the, like, you know, the porno was like art imitating soon to be life, but not yet to be life. That might be it. It might be that the porno has created the deaths somehow. If that's what I'm meant to get from it. Um, I would like to hear your impression of it. Either way, Anne realizes and then also realizes because so Hitchum's performer name was Faud. Um, and Faud, we know, looks exactly like Nans. And so when our killer confronts Nans in the cruising room, he starts confusing the two and thinking that it's Hitchum and then ends up breaking down. Um 
Eventually, everyone in the theater and the cruising room turns on the killer because the killer seems to be targeting gay men and all these gay men think that it's some sort of homophobe and so they end up attacking him and killing our killer. And then we get this really surreal montage at the very, very end of Anne reconciling with Louise in the afterlife, I think, when all the performers are having sex around her. Uh, very interesting and very strange. Yeah, look, it kind, of, it kind of reminded me of the ending of Phenomena, another famous quasi-Jalo film. So, you know, I'm just going to... Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of... A lot of well, not a lot of Jalo films, but I guess a lot of European horror films do seem to have the... Especially from, like, the 70s and 80s, have those kind of fantastical endings where... I'm thinking of two Argento films, yeah, Phenomena and, and Trauma, which was from the 90s, actually, um, where, yeah, all of a sudden something like that really left field and dreamlike happens and it just kind of closes everything out, you know? Although it has some flaws, I think it's an excellent film. And I like when, to be honest, gay cinema to me is terrible. <laughs> There's not a lot of gay films about. And this seemed like a breath this of fresh the, air. This is the closest thing we'll ever probably get to a high budget slasher film. So check it out, y'all. Yeah, we've been looking at a lot of gay slashes. And look, this is probably the best one out there that's happened so far. Let's just say there's hell, there's Hellbent and there's this. And they're in very, very different Very, very different. Sam still likes Hellbent for some fucking strange reason. It's fun. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sinister Sissies. You can follow us on Instagram at Sinister underscore Sissies. You can follow me on Twitter at Jared Bartle. That's Jared with a Y. Uh, and you can DM Sam on the Sinister Sissies Instagram, or you can pop me a message and I'll pass it along to him. Until next time, stay sinister. <laughs>